0: CHAPTER ONE of Mildred and Elsie, this is a LibriVox recording, all LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Adrian Stevens. Mildred and Elsie by Martha Finlay, Chapter One. Tis beautiful when first the dewy light breaks on the earth, while yet the scented air is breathing the cool freshness of the night and the bright clouds a tint of crimson bear. Elizabeth M. Chandler A long, long kiss, a kiss of youth and love. Byron Morning was breaking over the landscape, a cool, refreshing breeze laden with woodland sweets and wild bird songs softly kissed Mildred's cheek and awoke her. She started up with a low exclamation of delight, sprang to the open window and kneeling there with her elbow on the sill and her cheek in her hand feasted her eyes upon the beauty of the scene a grand panorama of wooded hills falling waters wild glens and forests and craggy mountains above whose lofty summits the east was glowing with crimson and gold another moment and the sun burst through the golden gate and began anew his daily round, rejoicing as a strong man to run a race. The brightness of his face was too dazzling for Mildred's eyes, and her gaze fell lower down, where wreaths of grey mist hung over the valleys, or crept slowly up the mountainsides. Presently it rested on one of the nearer hilltops, and a sudden vivid blush suffused her cheek, while a sweet and tender smile shone in her eyes, and hovered about her lips. But a sigh quickly followed, smile and blush faded away, and she dropped her face into her hands with a low-breathed exclamation, Oh, what shall I do? What ought I to do? There was a question of grave importance awaiting her decision, a decision which would, in all probability, affect the happiness of her whole future life on earth. Yea, who should say its influence would not reach even into eternity? She longed to take counsel of her mother, but that mother was far distant, and the question one the girl shrank from putting upon paper and trusting to the mails. But a dearer, wiser, even more loving friend was close at hand, and to him and his word she turned for guidance. Subdued sounds of life came to Mildred's ear ere she closed the book. Servants were astir setting the house to rights, and preparing breakfasts for the numerous guests, most of whom still lingered in the land of dreams. Mildred made a rapid but neat toilet, then stole softly from the room, promising herself a stroll through the grounds, while yet the quiet and dewy freshness of the early morning lingered there. In one of the wide, cool porches of the hotel, a young man paced to and fro with hasty, agitated step, glancing up again, and again with long impatience at the windows of a certain room on the second floor pausing in his walk he drew out his watch only a brief half hour he sighed am i not to see her at all but at that instant there stepped from the open doorway a slight graceful girlish figure in a dainty white muslin a bunch of wild flowers in her belt a broad-brimmed straw hat in her hand and with a low exclamation "'Ah, at last!' he hurried to meet her. "'She started slightly at sight of him "'and sent a hurried glance this way and that, "'as if meditating flight. "'Oh, Mildred, don't run away. "'Why should you avoid me?' he said entreatingly, "'holding out his hand. "'There was scarcely perceptible hesitation in her manner "'as she gave him hers. "'Good morning,' she said softly. "'Is anything wrong? I think you look troubled.' "'Yes, I am called away suddenly. Must leave within the hour. A dear only sister lies at the point of death.' His tones grew husky, and her eyes filled with tears. "'Oh, what sad news! I am so sorry for you!' she murmured. He drew her hand within his arm and led her down a shaded alley. "'It is in your power to give me unspeakable comfort,' he said, bending over her. You wear my flowers. Oh, dearest, is not that a whisper of hope to me? You have decided in my favour. Is it not so? Oh, Charlie, don't ask me. I I have not been able to see that, that I may, that I ought to follow the dictates of your heart. Is that what you would say? he asked, as she broke off abruptly, leaving the sentence unfinished. "'Oh, Mildred, you cannot have the heart to refuse me this one come of crumfoot. "'We must part in a few moments. "'When to meet again, neither of us knows. "'You have refused to pledge yourself to me, "'and I will not ask it now, though I solemnly promise you—' "'No, don't,' she interrupted, struggling with her tears. "'I would have you free, free as air, since I can promise nothing. "'I will never marry anyone but you.' he said with vehemence, if I cannot win you, I will live single all my days, but you do care for me, you do love me, oh Mildred, one word, only a word or a look, that I may not go on my sorrowful errand in utter despair, only assure me that I have won your heart, and I shall never abandon hope that this barrier may some day be removed. She could not refuse him. She had not power to hide either her love or her grief that they must part. Both had their way for a short space. He had led her into an arbour whose sheltering vines would screen them from prying eyes. And there, clasped in each other's arms, heart beating against heart, his bearded lips softly touching again and again her cheek, her brow, her quivering lips, they passed a few precious moments that yet remained to them. He was gone, and at last echo of his departing footsteps died away. Upon her ear there came over Mildred such a sense of utter desolation as she had never known before. Sinking down upon a rustic bench, she hid her face in her hands and for a few moments allowed her full heart to ease itself in a burst of weeping. But this would not do. The breakfast hour drew near, and though it had been of late her aunt's custom to take that meal in bed, her uncle would expect to see her in her usual place at the table, and his keen eye would be quick to detect the trace of tears. The cousins too would notice them, and not scruple to inquire the cause. She hastily dried her eyes, rose, and leaving the arbour, strolled about the grounds, resolutely striving to recover her wonted cheerfulness. She made the circuit once, and again near the arbour, when she heard her name called in sweet childish treble, "'Cousin Milly, Cousin Milly!" and she turned round in the direction of the sound. Little Elsie, closely followed by her faithful mammy, came bounding toward her with a letter in her hand. "'Grandpa said I might bring it to you. Ain't you so glad, cousin?' she asked, and the missive was put into Mildred's hand, the sweet baby face held up for a kiss. Mildred bestowed it very heartily, taking the little one in her arms and repeating the caress again and again. Very glad, darling, she said, and very much obliged to my pet for bringing it. Is it time to go in to breakfast, Aunt Chloe? massa Dinsmore say you will have time to read the letter first, Miss Melly," replied the nurse, dropping a curtsey. Then I will do so, Mildred said, re-entering the arbour. "'May Mammy and Elsie stay with you?' asked the baby girl coaxingly. "'Yes, indeed, darling,' Mildred said, making room for the child to sit by her side. "'Dare now, honey, keep quiet and don't disturb your cousin while she reads the letter,' cautioned Aunt Chloe, lifting her nursling and settling her comfortably on the bench. Mildred had broken the seal and was already too much absorbed in the news from home to hear or heed what her companions might be saying. Elsie watched her as she read with loving, wistful eyes. Did your mamma write it, cousin? she asked as Mildred paused to turn the page. Yes, dear, and she sends love and kisses to you, and wishes I could take you home with me when I go. Oh, if only I could! Mildred bent down to press another kiss on the sweet baby lips. "Maybe my papa will let me go, if grandpa will write and ask him," returned the child, with an eager, joyous look up into Mildred's face; "but I couldn't go without mummy." "Oh, no; if you should go, mummy would go, too; you can't be separated from her, and we would all be glad to have her there," Mildred said, softly caressing the shining curls of the little one, glancing kindly up into the dusky face of the nurse, then turning to her letter again. It was with mingled feelings that she perused it, for though all was well with the dear ones beneath her father's roof, and the thought of soon again looking upon their loved faces made most welcome the summons home which it brought, there was sorrow and pain in the prospect of soon bidding a long farewell to the darling now seated by her side, the little motherless one over whom her heart yearned so tenderly because of the lack of parental love and care that made the young life seem so sad and forlorn, spite of all the beauty and wealth which she, the little fair one, was so abundantly dowered. As she read the last line, then slowly refolded the letter, tears gathered in her eyes. Elsie saw them, and stealing an arm round her neck, said in her sweet baby tones, "'Don't cry, Cousin Milly. What makes you sorry?' I loves you ever so much. And I, you, you precious lovely darling, cried Mildred, clasping the little form close and kissing the pure brow again and again. That is just what almost breaks my heart at the thought of, oh, why, why don't you belong to us? She broke off with a half-stifled sob. A firm quick step came up the gravel walk, and Mr Dinsmore stood looking down upon them. "'Why, what's wrong? Not bad news from home, I hope, Milly. "'No, Uncle, they're all well, and everything goes smoothly so far as I can learn from my letter,' she said, brushing away her tears and forcing a smile. "'What then?' he asked. Elsie has not been troubling you, I hope.' "'Oh, no, no, she never does that.' "'Breakfast has been announced. Shall we go and partake of it?' "'If you please, sir. I'm quite ready,' Mildred answered.' as she rose and took his offered arm. "Bring the child," he said to Chloe; then, walking on, "What is wrong, Milly? There must have been a cause for the tears you've certainly been shedding." "I am summoned home, Uncle; and glad as I shall be to see it and all the dear ones there again, I can't help feeling sorry to leave you all." "I hope not; dear me, I wish we could keep you always," he exclaimed. But when and how are you to go? Mother wrote that a gentleman friend, our minister, Mr Lord, will be in Philadelphia in the course of three or four weeks, spend a few days there and then go back to Pleasant Plains, and that he has kindly offered to take charge of me. Mother and father think I should embrace the opportunity by all means, as it may be a long time before another as good will offer. And doubtless they are right though I wish it had not come so soon. So soon, uncle, Mildred returned brightly. Do you forget that I have been with you for nearly a year? A year is a very short time at my age, he answered with a smile. But they were at the door of the breakfast room, and the topic was dropped for the present, as by mutual consent. End of chapter one.